Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. The theme of the retreat is discovering freedom and uh, one may ask what 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 do you mean by freedom? I was reflecting on this uh, this morning and I was thinking how maybe I used to think that freedom would uh, would be to um, a good sense of freedom for me would be to have everything go according to my <laughs> wants and needs and uh, preferences you know and be able to do anything I want and at the time where I want to do it and that, that would feel pretty uh, like freedom and um, through these practices and through the you know wise words of the of, uh, our teachers and through investigation I think uh, I think I would say today that uh, this, this the sense of what freedom is now is very different f- for me and I think it aligns a bit with the Buddhist teachings and the sense of freedom for me means more now the, the capacity to choose how I relate to what is happening uh, inside or outside if you put it in these words or how I relate to what is happening in the body in the mind, heart or in situations, or relationships. There's a kind of an understanding that I won't get to choose what will, everything that will happen in the body, or in the heart, or in relationships, or in the world. But there might be um, a way that I can investigate how I relate to events or phenomena is a way we, a word we use sometimes in Buddhist psychology, something occurring in the body, in the mind, or in a situation, a relationship in the world. And so, um, yeah, there's a way that I can investigate, explore, um, train, cultivate certain ways, certain attitude or way to relate to pleasure, to what is beautiful, for example. So a tendency that I have, you might have also, when something is pleasurable, for me is to become a little tight, like I want to keep, I want more of, uh, I fear losing. Does that, has that ever happened to you? That's very human, it's part of human nature, it's very natural to do this. And yet we're, there's this invitation to say, yeah, and is there another way to relate to beauty or meaning or richness? Or is there another way to, that we could be nourished, truly nourished by uh, beauty without the 
clinging aspect to it. So that's an investigation that we do here, how to relate to, you know, so you're here in the moment where it's uh, agreeable, you know, I want to become a monastic, or I want to move here, or, you know, the mind projects, you know, and, and how we can allow for feeling good if it happens here, I hope it does, you know, or here on the ground, you know, or, or in, inside oneself, you know, to allow for, I don't know what it could be, maybe equilibrium comes, or calm, or gratitude, or just some kind of non-struggle, and to just allow it to be known and experienced, and to allow it to pass. Not easy. In the relationship with what is difficult, my tendency is to either collapse or kind of charge, get aggressive and tight and bug down, or I don't know what are all the different ways we that might happen also to you, no? In the face of what is difficult in the relationship in the world or inside the body. And here the exploration, investigation we do is to come closer to the experience of discomfort or not having what I want and to see, can I stay stable? Can I still have integrity or respect or can my beautiful values be awakened at the contact of what is difficult? Can the heart um, produce uh, care when challenged? You know, this is really, uh, um, yeah, so that's what I mean by, for me, for freedom is, oh, at the contact of what is difficult, I would like uh, to nurture maybe, maybe courage or integrity or creativity instead of, um, you know, the inner collapsing. That is very, very, very natural. Discouragement or wanting to not be or to not feel. So that's the kind of, uh, yeah, exploration we do. And in the contact with what is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, and that could be uh, in the environment, not much happening. It could be inside, not much being felt, or it feels like this. How can I not fall into agitation or, you know, um, uh, addiction? Of I need some stimulation now. There's not much, not enough happening, or or doubt. There's nothing happening. One thing that I've experienced myself and heard meditators talk about is uh, at some point, you know, there's a, it's maybe during the course of the retreat or in practice at some point, there's not much happening. There's not big struggles or self-loathing or, you know, being hooked on past or present. And, there's, and, and people, myself and others, have reported to the teacher like, what am I doing wrong? There's nothing happening. It's like, honey, this might be peace. <laughs> but you have to have a good stability of heart to be with, uh, uh, with, uh, with this, you know, because otherwise you think, you know, you, you can't sustain it. You, you, you need some, something. Give me some drama. 
I'll take anything, drama will do. You know? You know, and when self-obsession releases, like thoughts about me and me later and me in the past and I am perceived and how I should be or could have been and if that had happened to me, when this subsides and suddenly the view is not so much of a view of self, you know, about me, everything about, you know, the ultimate reference point of me falls apart, it, it can be, it, you know, it can be... How do I relate to this? Let me tell a story about me in my mind, you know, me later, me something, because I can't stand this just being here, not defining all experience through a certain I or moi or me. You know, suddenly letting this drop, that view of a self as an ultimate reference point, you know, just a body sitting, breathing, that can raise some kind of anxiety. It can also open to peace. So how I relate to what's happening inside of me, outside of me, uh, I understand it as being a way to talk about uh, mindfulness, meditation, uh, Buddhist path. And it's not like we can choose, okay, oh, that sounds great, Pascal. So today I'm going to be equanimous about everything that happens. You know, I'm going to just uh, be grateful for what is beautiful and be patient and courageous in front of what <laughs> is unwanted. It's not exactly like this, right? Like we've been uh, conditioned to respond in all kinds of ways. And so we're really on the training ground here in, or in the laboratory to see how could I hold this? And so what we do is we use any event, local events. We don't have to create anything special. We just say, let's sit here. There's probably going to be plenty offered. Life is generous. Just sit here, and probably experiences are going to come. Pleasant one, unpleasant one, neutral ones. Let's use these passing experiences, the sitting, the walking, the eating, you know, the weather, hot, cold, whatever shows up. Let's use what shows up to train ourselves to see if we can have stability, if there can, uh, if can remain some kind of friendliness through the ups and downs of, I want to be here, I want to go home now. It's great. Okay, it's enough now. Mm-hmm. Done it. That was lovely. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> we can go now. Ah, and we're not going now. You know, we're staying here. How can I accompany myself through everything that happens during a day for a human being? You know. And so that's what we're invited to uh, explore some uh, today. And so everything that happens here, in a way, is good, good stuff, good matter, good, good uh, things to work with. How not to add a layer of judgment, wanting something else, but meeting what is there. It's not easy. Or sometimes it is. Sometimes it's lovely. And so we can be interested today if we want to in uh, 
yeah, the relationship we have with what's happening. Just noticing, oh, there's ache happening here or there in the body. How could this be met? How is it met right now with fear? Of course, of course, I fear this sensation. Could it be met with some curiosity? No. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes the mind is a little rigid. It's like, no, no. And sometimes there's a little flexibility. And here together we're cultivating that flexibility. We're, We're inviting ourselves to see, is it possible to be curious about this? Oh, you know, discouragement. Instead of being in the th- uh, under the spell of discouragement, to become aware of, mindful, uh, aware of, conscious of. Oh, discouragement feels like this. Oh, yeah, there's a big drop in the kind of confidence, faith, or uh, suddenly, oh, discouragement feels like this. Oh, irritation. Look at this. Whoa, big wave of irritation. How interesting. Everything becoming a, becoming a matter for mindfulness. Good stuff. Oh, look at this strong reaction, Pascal. <whistles> strong reaction. Oh my God, so much energy right now. <gasps> strong opinion. Whoa, I'm right. You're all wrong. Whoa. Oh, that's enjoyable. Interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm right. You're wrong. It feels great. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Oh, it's enjoyable. Suddenly, oops, it's not enjoyable anymore. Oh, it's the same kind of feeling, but now it's really disagreeable. I don't want to feel this anymore. Wave of shame, you know. I just dropped some lettuce as I was serving my salad bowl, and now I feel like a hundred people are looking at me, can't even serve salad. You know, suddenly my self-worth just dropped way down, you know. Suddenly I don't want to exist you know, I never want to come back here and serve salad again. You know, that's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I look like a fool. You know, I'm so unmindful. Oh, look at this shame. Wanting to disappear. So interesting. All events happening in human nature. Can I be aware of it? That's a very different relationship to what happens. Instead of believing everything that happens in the mind and heart, to become aware of. Oh, look at this shame. Oh, look at this arrogance. Oh, look at this doubt. Not sure I want to be here. Oh, look at this tenderness. Suddenly there was, I saw somebody do something and suddenly the heart opened a little bit for a moment here. And so we can do this today. Feel the step, feel the breath hear the sounds, and sometimes suddenly there's a mind state, emotion, mood, that becomes, I want to say, maybe palpable in some ways. Could be subtle or could be intense. Oh, look at this. I don't know if it happens to you, but to some of us in Quebec, it happens sometimes we have uh, ill will. Is that the way? Like um, looking for trouble mind. You know, sometimes the mind is open. Sometimes the mind is looking for trouble. Have you ever, has this ever happened to you? Like, is that the way to say ill will? Yeah, it's a good way to say it. Yeah, so I can see sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm available, 
wanting to hear what he says. Sometimes I'm, I'm looking for trouble. My eyes or my ears are looking for some trouble. That happens in relationships sometimes, no? Maybe not to you in America. <laughs> you know, and so it's interesting for me to, to watch this. You know, the mind that looks for trouble, looks to judge or to find fault, you know. And sometimes my mind has a different shape or attitude. It's more forgiving, loving, you know. It's really interesting to watch the different mind state and how they, for example, how they influence perceptions. Like if I'm in a certain mood, bad mood or impatient, people, people are so annoying. It's just a fact. You know, people are annoying. And when I'm in di- different mood, people, they do their best, you know, they're just trying to find their way, you know. Do you see the impact of a mood on, you know, the mirage-like nature, how it creates a world around us? And so here we have the chance today, because we're not so busy, there's not so many things happening in speech and things to do, we can actually take time to notice how we're receiving or perceiving, projecting on the world the different moods that inhabit us passing through. And so, maybe I'll finish with this before we practice. The Buddha, uh, in, the, in the, his instructions uh, around moods, mind states, emotions, is remarkably simple. He says, when the mind uh, is scattered, know the mind has scattered. He doesn't say, oh, it shouldn't be scattered. You know, he just said, when the mind is scattered, know the mind has scattered. When the mind is gathered, know the mind has gathered. When the mind or heart is open, know it's open. When it's closed, know it's closed. No judgments, no judgments at all, just curiosity, awareness, being aware of. If we're not aware of our moods, somebody will have to be, you know. You're like, no, no, I don't care. I, I, I don't mind. No, it's okay, it's okay. Like, I think you do mind. <laughs> I can see, I can be conscious that you do mind. No, I don't, I don't, really, I don't. It's like, uh, somebody has to be aware. So it's good for us to be here. It's not navel-gazing. We're actually becoming conscious. Nothing like being with somebody who's conscious, who can say, Pascal, I'm really angry right now. What just happened really... Uh, I have a, give me just a few minutes, a half hour. I want to talk about this, but now it wouldn't be a good time. I'm, I'm so angry right now. I want to work it out, but not just now. You know, say, wow, this person knows what they're feeling. You know, and they can be protective of the relationship, even in that, instead of abusive. They're conscious. They can choose how they hold their emotions. Not easy. Worth a day of practice, no? And then to bring this back home, or some of this, being aware. Okay, let's play with this a little bit, if you, if you want.
And there is what we call the first foundation of mindfulness, is the, the body. We've talked about this yesterday, invited us to feel the body in a general way, just discovering that there is a body, there's a body sitting or standing, if it is. There's a body breathing. This is a really, really helpful, great way to um, become aware of what's happening. Let the attention land in the body or If it feels confronting to you, you don't want to be in the body, it doesn't feel safe in some ways, maybe you can become aware of the environment. Become aware of the light at this time of the day. The temperature, quality of the air, or the space around you. By being here with silence or sounds or the light even through the eyes closed, being here with uh, the body sitting or breathing. giving so much values to stories being told, but to the immediate experience of being here, of the room, space, or sensations. Finding our own way into this moment being here with sounds or breath. At some point, I think, very naturally, we're going to discover the state of this being. It can be possible to do this without judgment, to discover the tiredness or the ease, availability, Discovering the state of the meditator, maybe scattered, very natural to be scattered, sometimes very scattered. Sometimes the mind is, happens to be gathered. As we're here with silence or sounds, with body breathing,
we'll notice that the mind either has a lot to say or not so much to say right now. Just becoming conscious, sometimes of the big wave of impatience or frustration or calm. Just being here with sounds or silence or hands resting. And sometimes noticing the state of this being right now. Just experiencing grumpiness or friendliness or a neutral mind-heart, just as it is. Not so much explaining or describing, but experiencing firsthand. The presence or absence of benevolence. Sometimes we can recognize the mood, name it, confused, 
quiet. Sometimes we can't. It's okay. Anchoring the attention in the breath or soundscape. We might notice some change happening in mood, intensification, disappearance, morphing, a wave of doubt subsiding. Relating with care and curiosity, if at all possible, with what's happening inside, whatever it is. might be able to notice the effect of the mind state in the body. Sometimes the body becomes all tense with frustration, of course. And sometimes, no, the body is not being experienced like this. It's not a big presence of impatience. So the body is a little bit more relaxed than it is at other times. If there's calm or joy, things might feel different, bubbly in the body, or spacious, light.
consciously experiencing the environment through the sense doors, or consciously experience the body here now, or sometimes consciously experiencing a mood, state of mind, Sometimes the mind is under the throw or spell of strong desire, wanting to be somewhere else, somebody else. Sometimes there's the absence of desire, of greed. Sometimes the mind is very reactive, sometimes not. Can it be known just as it is right now? Notice what happens to the mind of the meditator as the bell rings, how it influences uh, the inner experience as the maybe eyes open and the body releases its posture. Notice what happens to the attitude.
And maybe there's some kind of release inside, something opens up, you know, feel, oh, that's freedom for me, Pascal, when you ring the bell. <laughs> Suddenly I feel liberated. Or maybe disappointment comes in, it's in a wave of like, oh, I failed again, you know. And so it's very tricky what we're doing. It's delicate, I would say. It's delicate what we're doing because uh, human beings, often when they have a mind state, they're especially if it's a difficult one, they're either under the spell of the mind state, they're taken on a ride by the mind state of, you know, obsession, obsessing, or, or shaming oneself, or blaming, really believing in the mind state, or uh, we push it away, I don't want to feel this anymore, I shouldn't feel this. And here we're trying to just be conscious, be conscious, oh, this is what's here, here. You know, dejection. Ah, dejection feels like this. Waking up to becoming interested in the experience of the mind state. Even uh, uh, it could be something like calm that comes in. Oh, calm. How calm feels like this. And suddenly we might start to discover different kinds of calm. A joyful calm, a kind of flat calm that has not much intelligence in it, you know. You know, it's really calm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's different flavors. There's always a mind state. There's never not a mind state. But some are more kind of maybe neutral or subtle. So sometimes it's we're able to notice, oh yeah, I can tell you, Pascal, I have a mind state right now. <laughs> I want out. <laughs> It's a very clear mind state, you know. And instead of just believing what it says, to become aware of how it's a different relationship, no, to mind states or emotion. Mind state is a kind of an umbrella term in Buddhist psychology that you can fit in moods and uh, emotions and qualities of mind, you know, uh, equanimity, reactivity, uh, concentration, scatteredness. Uh, benevolence, uh, uh, hatred, etc. There's just a couple of minutes for maybe one or two questions or report about uh, what happens. And maybe um, I'd like to, uh, if you allow me to say this, um, let's see if we can be aware of um, the diversity of the voices, that the diversity of voices can be uh, welcomed in. Sometimes some of us, because of the, the uh, I would say, group we belong to, knowingly or unknowingly, we feel more welcome in a space than others, like cis people, non-trans, uh, binary people. Often they feel the space is made for them, uh, uh, or white people, cis white people feel very comfortable in a space you know yeah I have something to and sometimes we need to leave a little space you know for other voices to arise you know that might need a little bit more uh, welcoming or space and so it's very tricky to become aware of this and see what we can do with all our conditionings so that uh, Voices can arise uh, in the group.
Yes, please. Yes. Is it, would it be possible for you to keep the mask? Okay, thank you. And we'll try to make it happen like this. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. So the, so the question or comment is about habits and noticing that old habits come by uh, here, although you're here for the first time, and noticing that sometimes they're helpful. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, that's what you're saying. I think that they're helpful and they can be a mixed blessing, so sometimes helpful or not. Um, what comes to my mind as I hear this is uh, something that I've heard uh, here, I think, and it's been intriguing for me and still intriguing after many years. Uh, and I think one of the teachers here was saying, like, one way we could see retreat, the, the progression of the retreat, is that we would do less and less things out of habits as we're here and more and more do things consciously. So, you know, the bell rings and we're like, mm, the legs do this, the hands do this, you know. <laughs> this can be, become habitual very quickly, even if you're doing this for the first time or being on a retreat. And here we're saying, let's do things consciously. So the bell rings, hearing the bell, releasing the posture, opening the eyes consciously instead of habitually. And then if I decide to do this, if it's meaningful for me, to actually do this consciously. And so... Standing up consciously, going to walking consciously, eating consciously, you know, that's what mindfulness uh, would, would be, you know. And that so much so that at the end of the retreat, we wouldn't do one thing habitually, that everything would be done consciously. I would be conscious of my emotions because I'm talking about this today. I would be conscious that I'm going upstairs, downstairs, closing a door, putting the shoes. And this is a way to live consciously. Some people say it's the best way to live because that opens up an, a space eventually of choice. Instead of reacting habitually, suddenly I actually choose to maybe not speak so quickly or to speak where I would habitually not, you know, and I can make decisions, hopefully wise ones, you know. And so here we're playing with habits. We're saying, for example, and today would be a great day for this, to slow down a little bit when I move about going to the room or just to get out of habits. And then there's the habits, also the what we call conditioning. We've been conditioned to think in this way. So the habits happen in, even in the mind. Sit me here and I'll start you know, planning because I'm habitually doing this with my mind or rehashing. And here we're saying, hey, what's happening? Rehashing or planning. Is there another way I want to live? Oh, maybe I'll just listen to the sounds. 
and see what happens if I'm not planning. Oh, no, but I want to. I have an addiction. I'm habituated to planning and it feels good to me. But maybe there's some other ways to live. Maybe I can expand my, <laughs> my field of, uh, you know? So, yeah, so becoming aware here is going against habits in, in a way. Maybe one last sharing or comment. And I'm holding on just to see. Yeah, thank you. I see you and let's see if... It's really tricky for to do what I do because I'm, I'm looking to make sure that there's diversity of voices. So I'm using my, the information I get through my eyes and my understanding of the world. You know? <laughs> so thank you for allowing me to, to do this. Uh, and it might fail. Yes, you have a question. Yes, please. Yeah. Well, thank you for this and for deliberately creating the space for different kinds of bodies and identities in here. I actually do have a question kind of related to that, which is that as a non-binary person and also a person who is um, uh, kind of naturally resistant to which in some ways feels good because I feel like I'm seeing the machine chewing up everyone around me and chewing up the entire world. But I also feel very, I mean, having spent my entire life being told, you're wrong about yourself. People like you don't really exist. You're not here. We know better. You can be gay, but you cannot be not binary. And you're very lucky we accept you uh, as anything. I have developed this very sort of resentful, rock-like, uh, you know, weariness, exhaustion, uh, learned kind of, I don't want to say hopelessness, because I don't think that's how my actions necessarily play out. I don't think people who know me would describe me that way, but I feel it a lot. I feel exhausted mm. and resentful and cranky. And what I really want to ask about is baseline. Baseline moves. It doesn't scare me to sit here and feel this for 10 minutes, but I am afraid I'm always going to feel this way. Thank you, thank you. So, so the question comment is about baseline, and you're saying that your identity, maybe as non-binary, uh, has been, and also as a going against capitalism. So I'm paraphrasing here, which will probably be imperfect, but you feel often um, uh, either resentment or going against or rock in the machine allowing you to see uh, how the machine is eating up beings, and it's exhausting, exhausting, and uh, you're wondering if the, this, there will always be this baseline of kind of exhaustion, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good qu- question. And um, it's a really good question for here this weekend, because here we get very kind of, 
precise and minute. Huh? We, we're trying to create the conditions so we can be in this laboratory and really watch underneath assumptions. You know, I have assumptions of uh, um, constant exhaustion or, or um, hopelessness. Uh, and then we watch from moment to moment and let's see what you find from moment to moment, you know, and what we tend to find is that there is variations, you know, the hopelessness, even I hear you describe it as kind of moving inside of you and how it's perceived from the outside, how you feel it inside. And so to notice how suddenly there's a lot of hopelessness and suddenly it morphs into fighting mode and despair and then uh, maybe something else, you know. And I, uh, yeah, so the practice here would be to watch this very, very closely to see how it's, uh, it's changing and maybe to discover other ways uh, to relate to things. And uh, I could almost hear, but this is my interpretation, but in what you described, you know, like at some point you said something like, and I get exhausted and, in this, I was like, oh my God, it sounds like compassion. You know, it sounds like I'm caring about myself. I'm caring about this being that it's exhausting to, you know, hold things this way. Is there another way? And the Buddha's question seems, you know, that uh, sparked the search was, is there another way to hold this? You know, is there another way to hold going against the stream? You know, is there another way to, to hold this, to... And to me, there's something about uh, inner ethics, inner integrity, like I'm not going to be eaten by this machine, yet there might be some, some other ways to hold things. Or maybe these are discoveries I made for myself. So here is getting more personal, that joy is helpful with a good sight about what's going on in the world and what needs to be changed and what needs to be opposed and etc. That it's good to, um, you know, there's things that are n- nurturing. And so where can I find joy that will be nurturing and that will give me the energy to continue to fight against some of the things, you know? So here's the research. is What is the good way to live with that kind of uh, intelligence, sensitivity, these identities and the way the world is uh, either welcoming me or not, you know. Uh, so I don't know if it's any helpful, but uh, yeah. And I love this practice. That maybe the last thing I'll say here is why I'm still here. I think doing this practice is because I, I the way I understand it is a gift. I almost have tears saying this the gift of independence that the Buddha is giving me. The way I understand this teaching is the Buddha saying, I'll show you a way, Pascal, to look for yourself at what works and what doesn't work. I'll just show you a way to bring really strong awareness so you can even go under your own assumptions, you know, what is said by the world, in the world, by the dominant group, etc., and find your inner truth, inner ethics, so that you can live in the best way possible with your intelligence, your sensibility. So, I, I, to me, that's very rich. As a HIV-positive person, a gay man, uh, really important to come in the, an environment like this spiritual and to hear the message, you don't have to believe anybody. 
let's go check what's inside, what's true inside, what has value, and where you want to put your energy, you know. And that's the laboratory for me. So I hope it does the same for you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm seeing that the time is up, and maybe there'll be other opportunities, there will be other opportunities for uh, questions or sharings in this way. And now we're moving. And thank you for honoring the silence. Here, this is one of the main things we're working with. It's challenging sometimes. It's a, a blessing sometimes. Whatever it is for you at any moment, I really encourage you to honor it. If you came here with friends or family members, like here we, we, we become all... Uh, we're... We're experiencing solitude as a community. So please be really careful uh, with this. uh, And thank you for honoring this. uh, And we have a beautiful day of exploration of what it is to be a human being, human nature, what happens in human nature, especially maybe the mind states that arise, becoming interested in, oh, look at this. It shows up like this right now. How does it feel? How does it feel in the body? Let me be aware of this and notice how it intensifies and disappears or bolts in or bolts out if that ever existed in English, <laughs> something bolting out. So, um, yeah, and we'll be back here in uh, a little bit more than half an hour. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.